That's just one of the strange delights found on Nyla Hunter's new album, Love Gaze. We found Nyla in Los Angeles, where she was more than happy to share her thoughts and feelings about making Love Gaze, the harpist and composer's first album for the Fat Possum label. Yeah, it's been it's been a whirlwind, I'll say that. Um, and I actually just got back from a tiny little tour. Um, and I, I think that it's really exciting to have a full-length album out that I can play, you know, all the way through. And it's it's a very different experience than kind of piecing together other parts of my my catalog in live performance. So that's been really cool. But I mean, yeah, if if anything, it just confirms that I am on the path and excited about you know making making more music. Right, right. So tell me about the shows. What kind of configuration did you have with you on stage, and what did you do? So I was actually playing solo, okay. and therefore, and and that's the thing. I I do often play solo, but you know, for the initial album release in LA, I had um, synth, piano, and bass clarinet, and so there was this kind of other bed of sound underneath. So then arranging the tracks just for solo, it did land me in the direction of playing with tracks, uh-huh. which is something that, you know, as a as a young person in music school, I always was like, ugh, yep. I could never, that's, that's awful, that's terrible. That stigma but has gone away. <laughs> that stigma has gone away because it is just wild what a good sound system can do. And there was one night in Stavanger, uh, Norway, that this, they had just, you know, gotten in this new sound system. And I was like re-enchanted with the material just playing there. So I think it really is all about how you use the tracks and then if the sound system is good. Right, right. Yeah, that's interesting. And I'm also interested in the fact that you used a bass clarinet when you had, out of all the instruments that you could have around you, uh, I had a, I had somebody playing a bass clarinet up here in my studio a few weeks ago, and it's a pretty right. awesome instrument. So just yeah, being around it. I really- <laughs> I love I love the way that the bass clarinet feels in a larger palette of woodwinds and so so even by itself just kind of that breathy grit that you can you can get from a bass clarinet I feel like that kind of encompasses the love gaze world really well because um you know there's there's something gauzy and breathy and ethereal about it but there's there's still this darkness and this depth um and then also just some of the tracks on love gaze do have bass clarinet in in them so even though it's you know filtered through a bunch of effects and whatnot so maybe not as recognizable but yeah Yeah. and you used producer cicely uh, goulder goulder Mm -hmm. um yeah to to make these sounds and to make this record how did the two of you work together what did she bring to the table yeah, Cicely was great. So it's really started off, our relationship started off as her being an engineer for my session where I was, you know, just making the demos for this. And then she she kind of called out something lyrically that she thought was incredible. And and I just felt really seen in that moment. And so I was like, what what would it be life like if we actually like worked on this song, this demo song, the one I'm referring to is Into the Sun. Uh-huh. Um, what would it be like if we worked on these songs together? And, you know, she comes from a piano background and is also from a music school background that, you know, we, we fit in there, but then also didn't. So the idea of like 
alternative um, avenues connected to classical instrumentation, I think is something that both of us really resonated with. And, you know, I think one of the things that she showed me that was invaluable just in terms of me and my own production practice um, is just organizing and layering vocals, like the the literal um, process of that. Right. So it, it was a learning experience for sure. <laughs> and into the sun on the track, which is the final track on the album. Um, is that a harp that you're playing on that? Because it sounds like it, but it kind of doesn't. So I'm wondering what, what you did with it. <laughs> I dream of beheadings and ghost feather bedding on fire. Yeah, so it's the only track, actually, no, it's not the only track, but it's one of three tracks that has the Celtic harp that uh -huh. we borrowed for, for the um, recording sessions. And it was the initial harp that I had written the demos on, you know, sitting there improvising these, these words and melodies. And it just, it felt like it captured this, you know, time removed from where we are uh, in a way that, you know, my grand pedal harp really really didn't right. and so we just decided to to keep it in there nice and dry and in your face <laughs> so i read somewhere i think that you started working on these songs in london or in england somewhere in some in the southeast of england is that true and if so yeah. why, why and how did that happen <laughs> yeah so i've always been really just in love with that land even before i went there and i think a lot of american people uh you know fantasize about the UK, but it, it really is my heart's calling. And, you know, I don't know if you know what astrocartography is, but nope. I do have a lot of lines that intersect okay. there. So that's, that's its own pathway of thought. But I also had my my whole team living in the UK. So it just kind of felt like may as well make make a trip of it and, and get over there and, and get into a studio that they had access to. And it just it felt like this kind of cocoon. Um, and then, you know, when we actually recorded the the music over again, uh, we were in London proper right. at Sisley's home studio. All right. But whereabouts, was there a small town in uh, southern England? That, do you know the name of it? Yes. So the, it's called Portsmouth. And it's really funny because, you know, so for me, thinking about a place called South Sea, that's the name of the actual little Yep. Village. Hamlet, probably. Uh, <laughs> Hamlet, exactly. Um, I do think that South Sea sounded to me like, you know, rolling hills and white cliffs, et cetera, et cetera. And then I get there and it's, you know, this this pebbly beach with a with a pier. Right. And I I think I love this this sort of mm, bleakness that right. there is that the the mundane that exists in a place like that. But also having said that, I mean, the that water is what it is all along the coast. Right. And I definitely had some beautiful rituals and, and sacred ceremonies with the water there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, is it near Southampton? <laughs> Ooh, I don't uh, know. The reason I ask is, believe it or not, I was born in England and my grandparents lived in that area in, in a little town called Midhurst, 
which I've been to a few times. Oh. So I'm just curious as to where everything was going on there. But yeah, yeah, it sounds cool. So, mm-hmm. so I'm catching on to a vibe that because uh, uh, I know you were raised uh, in the church. Your father was a pastor, but you've kind of gone into another direction, mysticism and things like that. Um, I, I'm curious as to how that. Just briefly, how, how that path got to where you are now. Yeah, I think I think to keep it short and sweet, uh, as I've, as I've, it, but... <laughs> I mean, maybe that's coming. But I, I do think as I've grown, as I've grown into myself as a musician, and as, as I will continue to grow into myself as a musician, there's been a parallel of spiritual practice just being, you know, braided into that and seeing that. Um, inspiration is never far if you are aligned and listening, which is, you know, something that I think can be addressed with spirituality more than anything else. And that includes communing with nature. Uh And I think, you know, Love Gaze was, was definitely an attempt to hold both the beauty, perseverance, and like ferocity of nature, while also... Uh, recognizing that we are, as a human race, disrespecting nature, not worthy of nature, and like we'll get our comeuppance via nature is it, in the coming days. Is that kind of addressed in Strange Delights, the, the opening track? I think in a very roundabout way, and this is another thing, something beautiful that this process has just been learning the layers of meaning as it goes along. But yes, I think that, I think the video kind of helps to turn it in this direction of, oh, uh, what is the world like when the humans are gone? (laughs) Nature's still doing its thing and there's still a lot of beauty and mystery, right? I think that that's, um, Strange Delights is about like, allowing yourself to be within the mystery of life. Mm-hmm. Now, the more I'm talking to you and more I'm thinking you need to come to New Zealand now because, because uh, <laughs> there's something about this land. I'm, I'm relatively new myself, but the indigenous people, the Maori, and there's no mammals, you know, there's nothing. There's just like birds and little ants and bugs and stuff. There's nothing yeah. that will eat you. Um, <laughs> so, and, and, there, and there's a very interesting relationship between nature and the indigenous people here and their stories and their, you know, all of that stuff that goes way back. So I don't know how much you, know, you may want to check it out. Cause. Oh, I'm planning to, it's, it's on my list. It's been on my list since Lord of the Rings. Okay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that's quite the way. There's probably a better way to get to it than Lord of the Rings, but, but that's cool. Whatever gets you there. Um, and I'm I'm curious. So, so tell me about the the scene that you're part of in LA. I, I, it's been described as experimental DIY underground, which is all very cool buzzwords. But um, <laughs> what is it exactly that you're a part of? You know, I think. That refers to, you know, like the leaving record scene, which I 
love dearly. I'm I'm gonna go to a show in a in a couple of days. I think the the ethos of the community at large, whether it's leaving records or the sort of just uh, outdoor mystic um, nature worship shows that happen outside of the leaving record zone, right? Like it's, it's larger than just that. Um, I think it's all about people just wanting something different for, for themselves in terms of what kind of venues we play. Um, you know, whether it's an alcohol centric situation, it's, it's about, uh, making change towards, Ooh, I don't want to say towards utopia. That sounds cultish, but, but it really does feel like, um, it's people in music and art who are looking inward and looking upward. Yeah. Hmm. Well, can't stop making it sound cultish. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Doesn't sound. It's only a... there's no Kool Aid involved, so we're good. <laughs> no, no Kool Aid. <laughs> um, so, and I'm curious because oh, so what kind of environment is the ideal kind of venue, audience vibe for you to do your thing? Uh, live in there's are, are yeah. some places you wouldn't play or some places you you kind of are drawn to yeah i absolutely will not play in a pub or bar situation uh. ever again unless it's really specific and like mm, no i can't even say that because the the ones that are tailored to harp performance that's you know irish Celtic harpers right. who are from there doing their thing. And, and I have no, um, I'm not thinking that I'm going to walk into that situation, but, <laughs> but I will say that my ideal situation is an amphitheater. Right. I, I played, um, actually I, it's a, an amusement park technically, but it was after hours at this festival called fairyland. And it was in this amazing amphitheater, the stage that I played on after Sun Ra Orchestra. So it was already really magic and it yeah, was yeah, just yeah. kind of, <laughs> it felt, it felt um, extremely grounding and uplifting at once, which is not something that I can usually say about performance. And I do think being outside is really a big aspect of that for me. Right. And I'm curious how you got hooked up with Fat Possum because it doesn't seem like something they normally deal with, but they're fairly cool apparently. Sure. So did they find you or did you, know, you find them? <laughs> they found me. They found me after a track I released in, ooh, I think 2021. Um, and yeah, I mean, I had really admired that label. They put out some releases that I was a huge fan of, Kaja Bonet. Uh -huh. um, and I was intrigued by the by the fact that they felt like it was something that that fit into the larger thing. And I think um, alternative is something that I've always kind of thought made sense yep. with me. And, and that's, that's the lens. And it's been it's been really, really nice working with a label in this way. It's much different than any other label that I've worked with. Um, but yeah, the, the team over there is great. Okay, now I'm going to get into something you may not want. Uh, so the perspective of the US from afar, from outside, it seems, especially these days, it's like every day you'll wake up and there's like a new mass shooting or Trump has said something outrageous or, you know, some, some, yeah. some, it doesn't seem like it's a good, wholesome place to be. And it, it seems like it's getting worse rather than better. I, I'm sorry to say all that, but for, yeah. from your perspective with the kind of music that you play, 
does it feel like it's the kind, is it harder for you to be creative and to be in the place where you need to be to make your music? Mm, that's interesting. Like in, in terms of why I went away to make this music oh, in true, a way. Yeah. Hmm. Well, either, either way, with addressing it without that yep, aspect yep. first. Yeah, like the the U.S. is a scary place right now. It's it's um, the Wild West in a bad way. Yeah. And it's a place that I used to imagine that I would just leave. I, I was like, I'm going to flee. I'm going to go back to Haiti or Belize. But then you realize everywhere is terrible. And sure, we have... We have our gun control and healthcare situation that is specifically bad to hear. And I do want change there. But uh, no matter where you are, all you can do is affect change around you, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, if anything, stay, being here right now as myself in this body doing what I do is going to make an important impact here. Right. So I may as well stay and just just ride with the land, you know, and, and pay my respect here. But it's, it's, it's definitely, it's not something I'm uh, excited about, okay. you know, right. <laughs> yeah. on a more optimistic note, what do you, are you thinking about musically what you want to do next after this record's kind of run its course? I mean, there's, there's a lot of irons in the fire oh, cool. right now. I feel like, um, you know, the, the scoring projects are, coming in and that feels very aligned with what I want to do in terms of just kind of being in the home, being, being here on the, on the American land, right. To, right. to build my family, et cetera, et cetera. But I also have just been loving playing piano ever since I got back from Scandinavia, I have been, you know, locked in piano land. So I, I have this feeling there's a piano centric album in me. All right. <laughs> that sounds definitely something to look forward to. Alrighty. Yeah. Come down, visit New Zealand. We'd love to have you and hear you. Love that so much. Thank you. I know. Bye-bye.